Thank you so very much, Janet Lee. Wow, uh, that that must be one of the very top playing performances. And, you know, it just made my feet dance while I'm sitting here at the desk waiting to have my turn. And I just thank you so much. And ladies and gentlemen, we're so happy to have you here today. This is going to be an interesting, interesting broadcast. We're going to be talking about, if you could believe it, the birth of Satan. And we're going to be talking, we're going to be talking about the devil's staircase. You know, there's a staircase for the angels, and it, Jacob had the dream, and he saw this sort of a ladder, lattice type of staircase, and the angels were ascending and descending. And uh, you must understand and believe there's always, always, always a counterpart, a counterpoint. And so what there is on one side, there will be on the other side, and even in nature, you know, between the different kinds of atoms, like the electrons and, and positrons. Uh, I mean, there you go. You've got these differences. And uh, so the, the proton, the electron, I mean, the negative, the plus, it's all there. Okay, so today, let me read something here. In the book of Revelations, chapter 22, it says in verse 5, and there shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they reign forever and ever. There is something so powerful in those words and in the understanding of that. Because there is a fashion of existence that is being done away with and explained to that extent in that book, in that book of Revelations and in that fifth verse there, which is the 22nd chapter. It is saying that people are going to be translated to a different kind of, of world. Now, we're not talking here about the planet Artura. We're talking here about the first domain. And in that first domain, which is the heaven of heavens, it says, you don't need the light of a candle. You don't need mechanical power. You don't need mechanical power, created power. And you don't need the sun, which is a evolved or latiluted force of power that is a universal force. Now, when you say sun, people have in, have in mind to put that into a limited context because they just think there's the earth and then there's one sun. But you have to understand that the sun is a star. Now, the minute you understand what the sun really is and that it's convenient to talk about our sun than rather, you know, to talk about our star, because there's so many stars out there. I mean, they're more than the sands of the earth. So when you talk about the sun, you are actually basically talking the universe, because the universe is, has so many stars. It is such a huge volume 
of stars that it you know it definitely uh factors in uh the meaning of the universe that doesn't mean that it is the, it it takes in the whole of the matter uh you know like like su- substance um we know far better than that we know that you know like uh, invisible uh, energies like dark energies and and dark matter uh that they are far more consistent with with uh, representing the far greater uh vast masses uh, of what is in the universe <clears throat> but nevertheless in the sense of how the stars are dispelled in the sense of how they are what you see when you look up in the into the heavens into space and they they just represent the universe because they are the visible things and they are spectacular things you are not going to have that in this other world that he's talking about there'll be no mechanical made devices to that you will need to help you see better to be warmer there there'll be no uh universal uh, uh sources uh to help you be lighted to heat you to uh help you in any of these other physical and physiological ways that you have been used to because there will be a totally different source now the Bible just simply says, because it's easier for people to understand that, it simply says you'll not need these things because the Lord God will give the light. But when we really read, and we read in the Bible where it says that God is love, not saying God has love, we know that's true too, but he is love, that this energy that is which is a very special kind of energy. And in the next, um, uh, you know, um, uh, the, the next particular um, uh, Tesla uh, that I am putting out here just probably maybe this week even, uh, it, it, it will be totally spectacular. And I'll mention just a few things maybe here tonight if I get the chance. But, uh, but uh, this next blog, uh, Tesla blog, uh, is going to get into some of these things that I'm talking about and into these other kind of force fields and into, into these uh, other kind of energies uh, that, that, that the scientific world just sort of refuses to want to know. And, and they just they have missed the boat because they have tried to leave God out of the picture. Uh, they they uh, can come up with all kinds of imaginative, ridiculous con- concepts. You know, like, like I, I know that the string theory has some attributes to it. And I know that its math is beautiful and all of that. But in the equations of what the string theory is, it potentially allows there to be millions of different parallel universes. And there's just absolutely no sense to that. It, it doesn't even reckon uh, with any kind of, of proper kind of resolution about uh, living in a universe that has the potential of millions of, of parallel universes to the universe that you are in and, and the which you could possibly get bumped into uh, at some moment in time uh, and uh, be off in another world and uh, with the millions of them, no one be able to ever find you or know where you were. So I don't think that's a very exciting, uh, uh, you know, invention. But when you understand that this energy that it is talking about in this verse here, 
this energy that it's talking about in this verse here, it, it, it allows you to have a source of warmth and of light that is an energy and a force field that is not connected with the conceptualities of the universe. It, it is, it's, it, when, it, when we talk about it being an, a love energy, people minute, uh, you know, immediately want to compare it to physical love and, and even uh, spiritual love, but actually it's neither one of those two. It is actually an energy that is the very, uh, very connected to source of life and and uh, which is the second force field uh, are the two that I'm mentioning and uh, the force field uh, of of life and the force field of of love which I will be sharing with you some beautiful insights on this next blog uh, the you know the uh, uh, talking about the first domain which is the heaven of heavens and the tesla and the uh, fifth force and some of those things and we're going to we'll say some more things about it so this is a sort of extravagant kind of way to get you started tonight to to get your mind spinning and soaring to think that wow in the first domain, sort of like that scripture in Ephesians that said, Christ descended far beyond and above all the heavens. There's a place of ascension far above and far beyond all the universal heavens. And, and that particular uh, transcension is, is something that is totally different than being uh, you know, transfigured, than being, uh, uh, you know, uh, latiluted, uh, to being uh, anything that has to do with, with changing forms within the context of being still in the universe. It is totally different from that because you're moving from a spiritual energy world, or pardon me, a physical energy world, to a spirit energy world. And uh, that is just a sensational uh, and very interesting thing. Then I want to read this scripture here in the same chapter, chapter 22. And in the book of Revelations, and it starts with the 16th verse, and it's just the one verse I want to read. I, Jesus, have sent mine angels to testify unto you these things in the churches. I am the root and the offspring of David and the bright and morning star. Now, in the next verse, of course, he says, the spirit and the bride say, come. There is a, a pleading of the spirit and a pleading of the bride, the body ministry, for a hungering and a thirsting for the real interview of things that don't belong to the limitations of this earth and of the capabilities that even within the force fields that literally exist out there with the phenomenal things that are, that are literal accretions, that there are other revelations that far supersede all of those kind of revelations, which all have their own place, their own time, their own relevance. And Jesus is saying, I've sent my angels to the churches. 
And it makes me want to ask, which church is Lord? When I look at the world today and and the, the multitude of, of churches that basically re- almost reject the idea of angels. And if you would say to them, well, have you had any angels appear to you recently? Uh, has it affected your insight to the word? And they say, that doesn't happen anymore. That happened back in the days of the Acts of the Apostles. And so all of the things that happened with the angels and the apostles, those are the written word that re- that revolve to our experiences. And our experiences are limited to that. So they basically take and put all possible new revelation into a fold-away canteen and make it not available. You can only live on one aspect of the revelation of Jesus Christ, and that is live on those things which are past. Because even in the present, which is the future present, in which you are now living that has bypassed the prior present of the is when those things were happening, those things no longer apply because they now, even though you are in the future present tense, those things actually belong to the past. So they eliminate those things uh, as being anything that is proper or possible for the present tense. Even though the Bible over and over again says, you know, I require that which was past because that which which was is now and that which is now is that which is to come. And there is this cycle of that which was, that which is, and that which is to come. And, and that is all part of this incredible, sensational revelation of God sending his angels to the churches. And we understand that the, that the word church is intertwined with a body and that there is both a parallel in a physical sense, but there's also a, a spiritual parallel to a spiritual sense in which those churches represented, represented seven universes, which were bodies of overcomers. And these are the seven spirits of God that the Bible talks about several times in the book of Revelations. And as we think about these things, you know, I want to ask you and I want to say to you tonight, you know, when people are not really into the subject about angels and about that which was and that which is and that which is to come, which totally connects to the instructions that John was given, whereby and wherefore to write the book of Revelations, then where are people in their spiritual, in their church experiences? Where are they? Because if they are stuffing out the fire and the torch and the light of these things that Jesus said, this is what I'm going to do. And if they are crossing out such incredible texts as John in the Gospel of John wrote and said, if all of the things were written that should, should be written, I suppose that not even the world itself could comprehend. 
And that so went along with the scripture that says, And the light came, and the light shone in darkness, but the world comprehended it not. And so God is moving by his Spirit across the world today in the Word of God and in the revelation of God to perform a revitalization, not to the Word, but to the minds of the human race so that they could have a lattice change that would mentally allow them to appreciate and to see the prerequisite and the absolute necessity of understanding the Bible in the way of the Spirit. Yes, there is an understanding of the Bible in the way of that which is physical. And that is not to be done away with either. But if you take only the part of the Bible that refers to the physical life and you neglect or you resist or you deny the spirit part of that revelation and interpretation, then you fulfill the scripture that says the body without the spirit is dead. So if humans without a spirit are dead, then we can easily take that up a few notches to the universe without a spirit is dead. And we can take that to the word of God. And we take that to the word of God and say, the, the, the word of God, it can have physical revelation. It can have physiological revelation. But without the spirit, it is dead. And, and the Bible, in fact, itself talks about this kind of death. The Bible talks about the, the, the words and the, and the Bible scriptures that they can be dead because it's only the, the Spirit of God that can give it the energy and the quickening that makes it a, the living Word of God. And when it becomes the living Word of God, that means that at that moment... It can be just as modern as anything that is modern in your life. And it can be just as futuristic as anything that is going to become futuristic to you and to your life. Because it is a living word. And that is the beautiful mystery and the beautiful glory of the 30, 60, 100-fold revelation and of what the Bible really means when it talks about rightly dividing the Word of God. So it, it truly is a time when you're listening to these words, when you're listening to these teachings, to examine yourself as the, as the, as the Bible ushered a word before you by the Holy Spirit that it is essential for you to, you know, to do this. It's essential for you to examine yourself to see whether or not you are really in the faith of the spirit of the Bible. You might be in the basic alignment with the physical application of the physical things of the Bible. But if you are not in alignment with the spirit things of the Bible, then the physical things are dead. Because it is absolutely a positive ingredient that is essential. 
just as well as your body without the spirit is dead. So the word must not be without the spirit. It must be with the spirit. And if without the spirit, it cannot be quickened. And those things when Jesus would say, you know, and talk about people whose eyes were withholden. They could be looking right at something. Be looking right at the glory. Be looking right at an angel. Be looking right at a revelation. But their eyes would, would be withholden and they could not comprehend it. They could not see it. But once their eyes were no longer withholden, they could see, they could understand, they could grasp, they could comprehend. Praise God. Praise the living God. And then, of course, I just, I'm, I'm giving you this word right now just as a setting for the teaching that I'm going to be taking you on this journey on. In the 12th chapter this famous 12th chapter of Revelations, begin with verse 1. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet, and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. This is a physical disposition. And it has spiritual attributions. And we are being told that this appearance is something of the magnitude of a great wonder. We are being told position-wise it appears in heaven. There is something very human, very earthly, that is going on with this woman that has a very physical revelation to it but 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 beyond the question of a shadow of a doubt also incorporates a very spiritual part to it in verse 2 and she being with child cried travailing in birth and pain to be delivered really this is where the church needs to be today they need to be in pain to want to be delivered of doubt to want to be delivered of ignorance, to want to be delivered of missing out on the revelations of God. They know that, that before that baby can come, there has to be a certain dilation, just like that truth has to be dilated to a certain extent of knowledge until that that truth and that knowledge and that knowing and that wisdom is dilated to a certain extent of knowledge, that babe isn't going to make it out on his journey to earth. It's going to be a serious problem that could even, could even threaten the life of that child because it has a physical life. But it has a spiritual calling. And that calling is for it to come on out. Come on out of there. Because you're going to move into another phase. You have a personal destiny. In addition to your mother's destiny. And she'll still be working with you. But eventually you will be moving into your personal destiny. And so the dilations have to happen. And there are things like impetition. Now impetition is a real thing. And we can't just make a, a funny game about it. 
Impetition is spelled E-M-P-E-D-I-T-I-O-N. I-M-P-E-D-I-T-I-O-M. Or N, rather. Impedition. And it comes from the word impede. When something is impeded, that means there's like a blockage. And so impedition means things that can happen naturally. They, they do not have to be evil. They do not have to be uh, necessarily uh, spiritual or, or good or bad. They are just the consequences of natural things that happen. Like an earthquake can be a natural thing that happens. That's just part of the living earth. And that can happen uh, to where uh, location-wise, it's an impedition to you because it is going to threaten and jeopardize the safety zones of your life. And so there are impeditions that are out there on every street, on every corner. And those impeditions have to be watched and prayed about. And always be aware, you know, there's, there's germs. There's people with psychotic problems. There's just plain bad people. There are threats to survival for just having a, a good job, having a decent income. And so all of the things, health, jobs, are all part of survival. And they all can be affected by impedition, which has nothing to do with anything other than nature. Now, most people may want to, that are Christians may want to blame that on the devil. And, and that's unfortunate and very sad. Because when you do that, you make the devil, you make Satan way, way greater than he is. And you make him involved in every little thing, and then you're just this little, uh, you know, uh, hopeful penny that's just praying to be able to cash yourself in so that you can buy the meager needs of life and escape these impetitions which you are sure that Satan has, has created and has manufactured for your destruction. <laughs> so it's very interesting. Got to get that thing down about impetition. It's out there. Can God help us through impetition? Absolutely. But sometimes people won't listen to what God says. I remember one time there was this man who was assistant attorney general of Indiana. And um, he was in this um, little offset to this town, and there was a lake there. And there's all these cabins, and he had got, walked into this cabin, and he heard what sounded like a, a literal voice to him shouting to him and says, get out of this cabin right now. Now, he wasn't, you know, he was a religious man. I believe he was a seven-day Adventist. But he wasn't just, you know, totally taken up with his religion. And, uh, but something startled him and told him, get out of there and he just moved fast and he just got himself out of that cabin and barely had he got himself out and a few feet away when a huge oak tree 
fell down and smashed that cabin flat and would have killed him because it came down in roughly the very spot where he had been standing when he heard the voice. Now that was impetition. That wasn't necessarily caused by the devil. Can things like that be caused by the forces of darkness? Oh, yes, they could be. They could be caused that way. But generally, a lot of those things are just caused by nature. God can warn you of those things if you will listen. But if you say, ah, this, my imagination's getting carried away. And then in the hospital, you'd be thinking as you're being told you may or may not survive, why didn't I listen? Why didn't I get out of there? So ladies and gentlemen, there are things being pointed out here in the Word of God that have both physical and spiritual essence. There's a child involved here. We, that, that has gotten us into the second party. Now by the first party, be it representing the woman. And then the second party representing the child. But there actually is also represented here another party, which actually makes it three. Because whatever the power, whatever the source, whatever the entity that got this woman in heaven pregnant, it wasn't herself that got herself pregnant. So there's another party that although it doesn't name it as a person or a man, is obviously is represented. And this is called abstract representation. You have this representation that is real, and it needs to be understood and needs to be dealt with. So we have three. And verse three, and there appeared another wonder in heaven. Now we're getting into a fourth, a fourth entry here. And behold, a great red dragon, having seven heads, ten horns, and seven crowns upon his heads. When the Bible is telling us that this is a great woman, when the Bible is telling us that this is a very powerful, you know, uh, dragon, and, and all of the, the uh, you know, mechanisms, the heads, uh, you know, and all of the descriptive uh, capabilities that, that this uh, creature has, People need to render it as being fact and true and say, my God, reveal this to me. Reveal this revelation to me. I need to know these things. And we are going to be talking about the dragon today. And his tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven. Well, when you talk about this kind of a beast, like a dragon, their reproduction organs are just right close to the end of the tail. So this is almost like a part of the tail, but it isn't really a part of the tail, but it's right there. And so it's almost like something about this dragon's uh, reproduction mentality. And we're, talking, we're not necessarily just talking sexual, but we're talking the, the, uh, the energy, the, uh, the thrust, the desire, uh, to to uh, uh, bring these children that are coming into the world, these entities that are coming into the world, uh, to become a part of whatever they are so that they're under subjection to that 
that person, and they are using their tail. They're, they are not using their jaws, uh, their powerful paws that with one swipe could crush a human body. They're using the tail. And, and, and that's because uh, the dragon does not really want to destroy these entities. He just wants to make sure that anything that happens to, to the dragon himself is also happening to these other entities so that they are all collectively together because this entity, although as we see later having lost the war, is still not ready to give up its connection and ownership with these entities that it's involved with. So the fourth entity is brought into the picture. And it's called a great wonder, and it's a great red dragon. It's got seven heads, ten horns, seven crowns upon those heads. And its, and its tail drew a third part of the stars of heaven. Now we've got this third part of the stars of heaven. And, and, and so people say, well, I, I don't know what that represents. Well, what it tells us is that you've got a third. So if you have a third, then that means you have another third and another third. Because a third is divided in, into a third, a third, and a third. So you've got a third, that means there's two thirds left. And then we know by other scriptures that there, there were three groups of angels that came to, into this galaxy, the Milky Way, to be involved in creation. And they were the Ophanims, the Cherubim, and the Seraphim. Now this dragon's tail drew down one-third of those one-third, 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 or three-thirds of angels, which made a whole. Because if you've got one-third, 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 that, 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 is, that is a full count. And it gives you a whole number. And it, and it drew one-third of them down, which left in the heavens, evidently, because that's where this is taking place, as it is getting ready to move everything from heaven down to earth, it left only these two forces or two groups which we're describing as the, seraph the cherubims and the seraphims because the ophanims were the ones that the tail of the dragon cast down to earth. And the dragon, even though it was in this fall of which Jesus described, I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven to the earth. But even that speed of light did not disengage the mind of, of, of Lucifer Satan. And he was ready, even as his tail was drawing one-third part. And notice the word part. That also proves that the third was only a part and that forensically, because it's only a part, then there are other parts, which only makes sense being you're dealing in thirds and you only have one third, that there has to be two other parts of thirds left, which would make one third, one third, one third, and equal one whole. 
And they were a part of the stars of heaven, and he cast them to earth, and the dragon stood before the woman, which was ready to be delivered for to devour her child as soon as it was born. This very plan of salvation, the very plan of, of the, these angels that were cast to earth, why were they cast to earth? They were cast to earth because something had gone wrong. And now they were being put into a different state. And we look in verse 7, and it says, And there was war in heaven, and Michael and his, and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon fought, and his angels. Now we've got another entity. We've got the, the Michael, and then we've got all the his angels. So there is the, another one of the thirds. And if we do a little research, we can find and show in the Bible that Michael is the, the host, the Lord of hosts of the seraphims. So he's the archangel Lord of hosts of the seraphims. And he is at war with Lucifer. How come this other part, that both of these two forces, like the cherubims and the seraphims, weren't fighting together to destroy uh, the force of the dragon? Why weren't they fighting together? Well, there was a really important reason, and that's part of what my teaching is today on this story of the staircase of devils and the birth of Satan, which is my subject for today. Because let me tell you this alarming thing, which might scare the heebie-jeebies out of you and cause you to turn off the broadcast. Because this powerful dragon had a a name of whom he was. And this dragon is only a personification of that person who had a name of who he was. And his name is Lucifer. And Lucifer was the son of Gabriel, who was the angel, who was the Lord of hosts and the archangel over the cherubims. So Gabriel's own son is involved in this terrible mix, in this terrible act of war. And of course, the seraphim under God are not going to allow Gabriel to go to war against his own son, Lucifer. Can I show that to you in the Bible? Yes, I can. And I'm going to do that today. Can I show you that Lucifer was actually born, that I say that I'm going to be talking about the birth of, of Satan? Well, Satan, we know, is the latter name of Lucifer. Lucifer was Lucifer, and then as he fell into this darkness and became more under the control of the forces of of subjugation that had to do with the subduction zones into which he had fallen. His name became Satan. S-A-T-A-N. So even though we say Satan, we have to understand that these names all merge. And in the world today and in the and, and in the worlds of past orders 
individuals have had many different names. And in the style of naming people of the Bible, names were applicable as meaning something relevant to what that person was or who that person might become or who that person may not become. And so then, we've got this condition going on in verse 5, and she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, and her child was caught up to the throne. Doesn't that just seem the way it is sometimes when you have a, a, a child? Maybe you have a son that you're expecting to step in and take over something. And just when you think you're ready to do that, the son gets caught up and is taken away. And the whole idea seemed to be, seemed to be that according to the the prophecy, that she brought forth a man-child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. But that prophecy went into some kind of suspension. And the child was taken away. Someplace far, far away. And why? Because if they hadn't have taken the child away, The dragon was already there, ready to devour her child as soon as it was born. So if he was ready to devour the child as soon as it was born, that means that before the woman, which we could say is the church, really ever got to know the child, the child was taken away. And before this child could ever grow to become a man, and fill the prophecy of this person who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron, he was taken away. Why was he taken away? Because right there, just as soon as he would be born, the dragon was ready to devour it. And as we see from the description in the Bible here, the dragon was no small time entity. This was a powerful entity. And then with the revelation that I've just revealed to you, that this Lucifer who became Satan, but he's still Lucifer Satan, that he was the very son of Gabriel, the archangel of the cherubims. And later we discover that this Lucifer is also a cherubim. Well, of course he would be if he's the son of Gabriel, of which he is. Someone said, why haven't you told us this stuff before? Why haven't you listened to me before? Someone says, well, I would listen. Oh, would you now? Now, I know so many, and talking to so many of you, you, there are some of you out there that listen incessantly. But I have to look at the whole general aspect of people, and we can't tell you everything in the first splattering. And this particular aspect that I'm revealing to you tonight really belongs to the book that I have written and am still writing on called... My Father's House. And so it's, it's another book that one day will be done. And I don't want people badgering me about when these books are going to get done or when they're not going to get done. I've been working on them all my life, and I'm going to get them done as I can get them done. 
There's a lot of things I have to consider. I have to consider my time. I have to consider my the strength that I have. I have to consider, and which I always put first, if there's 20 people out here that are that are going to die and they need healing, then I'm not going to work on one, the book. I'm going to work on those people that need deliverance because people come before the book. And if you can't handle that and... You know, your dogs won't mush to it. Then, you know, what shall I say? We love you anyway. And, you know, we'll just have to say to you, do the best you can because whatever you have to say is not going to change Jerry Lee because Jerry Lee is going to follow the Spirit. And he's not perfect in everything that he does, but he knows that. But he's going to continue being as perfect or unperfect as he is if that's the best that he knows how to do at the time. When he gets to know how to do something better, Lord willing, he will do it better. God bless you. We're going to get those writings out. We're going to get them out. But I'm telling you, every day that goes by, I have one unhuman pile of things to accomplish and to do. And, and uh, you know, I'm, going to, I'm just going to keep working at it and one day, one day, I'm going to, to have it done. I could have had the Peace Bible done by now, uh, as far as the book of Revelations, if I had decided not to put in the ABG. But I decided that I needed to put in the ABG, which I have put in, and then I decided that I need to go over the 30, 60, 100-fold and make sure that I had everything in there that I really needed to be in there, even though this was only the first edition. And that's what I've decided and what I felt in my heart that I needed to do. And so that's what I'm going to do. And if that makes you anger, angry at me, I'm sorry, but you're not going to change, change me by being angry at me because... I'm going to just continue doing the things that I feel I'm supposed to do by the Spirit. And there's a lot of miles that have gone on in between, in which I have spent helping people, in which I have spent in prayer, which I have spent in, in waiting before God on, 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 you know, on revelations. I, I very seldom have a day that some kind of vision or, or special experience happens to me. And, and I stopped to say, okay, God, what is, what is the message today then? What are you really telling me? And I looked to see what that is, and I checked that out before I do anything else because I want to know where I'm going with God, you know? And, and, and so uh, I'm just me. But you know what? I'm pouring out crystals of information, gems of information in, in these teachings and, and in these, uh, these blogs that we're putting out, there's, those are sensational bits of information. And, and, and so why shouldn't people be satisfied and just thank God for that? And then we will get to these other things. We'll eventually get to them, you know, and, and because we have to balance everything with, with, uh, with our health, with the time that we have. Uh, I, I get, you know, I, I get very few hours of sleep, lots of nights. Uh, but sometimes I have to make it up. 
and 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 I have very limited finances to work on. I have to throw that into the pot and consider that because that's all part of what we have to live with. I'm not complaining and I'm not asking anybody to do anything. I'm just explaining that that's all part of it. And some of those things you could call impeditions. But they're not going to stop us because for yea, though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we're not going to fear any evil because we know his rod and his staff. He know, we know that those things are with us. And we know that even if, you know, uh, 10,000 fall on one side and thousands fall on the other, that it's not going to come to nigh us until we have finished our course. And that's what we're working for. And it's exciting. You know, I will have to say, we do live exciting an exciting life. It is exciting from, from day to day, from week to week, from month to month, the things that God is doing in our midst. And, and uh, I just love the life that I'm living. I just love the revelation that I'm sharing. I just love the revelation that I have yet to share. And it is monumental. It is, it is extremely ex outstanding of volume. And I'm going to continue doing that for as long as I can until the very last atom in my body kneels down and says, it is finished. Blessed be the name of God. I'm not quite sure how I got onto that subject, but I had a sudden uh, arrow of, <laughs> of unction, and so there I went. And so we got this tail that drew one-third and cast them down the earth. Oh, okay, well, what did they cast them down the earth for? To take human bodies. They had to go into matter. This was all part of being able to be uh, reclaimed and rejuvenated and revitalized and, and redeemed. And it was all part of the plan of this child that was taken back up into the heavens because in the Alpha Omega of time, time is quite different than how we might look at it here on earth. And whether something is sorted out and, and is, is put into uh, the, the pearls of great price at a given moment in the history of the earth or done at a later time, it's all the same in the book of Jesus Christ. And that's what I understand, too, when God gives me these things to do. You know, I do it as I can, because it's all the same in the end, in the book of Jesus Christ. And so these humans, these, these humans are, are these now, these Ophanim angels. They, they, they are, you know, and they don't remember that they are those angels, because... It's like if you tried to put your, your body life and intelligence into the body of an ant. The ant just doesn't have the capacity. And so only by the fulfillment of the law of privilege, which we'll be talking about in the next blog, the law of privilege says that with man it's not possible. There are certain uh, you know, consortiums of experience, and there are certain... Uh, uh, laws of nature uh, that are pretty much constants and they don't change but you cannot use those as excuses to say it's impossible because there is this law of privilege and this law of privilege says that with God 
all things are possible because that is up uh, that is uh, belongs to the privilege of God to at any time overthrow any physical literal universal law or any other kind of problem there is it's his privilege to to make anything that is impossible to be possible whensoever that the Lord our God would decide to do that it's his privilege and there are other kinds of law like the law of of you know of of something that is inevitable the law of inevitability uh, you know, and, and the Bible says that which was is that which is now, and that which is now is that which shall be, and God requires that which is past, and, and that's inevitable. And then there's the law of the effable. The effable is something that is so sacred or someone that is so sacred that there are no known human vocabularies to describe it. And that's why there has to be a manifestation of new words in which the Bible says in Zephaniah that God is going to give us a new language and we're going to be able to understand God and communicate with God in a different way. These are all manifest revelations. They're all holy manifest uh, things of God. And, and, and we're on a journey. We're on a journey that is nothing less than super exciting. Wow. Whoa. I got to keep moving here. I'm even on something I really wasn't quite intending to get on, but I just got to move as the Spirit moves me. And if we don't get to finish this whole thing today, we just roll it over to next week, and we'll we'll hit it then. Uh, but we're not going to let anything block us because we're into some blockhead uh, square root that says uh, you can't move this concrete uh, because it's not meant to be moved. Uh, we're not we're not going there. That kind of impetition is going to become the walls of Jericho that can't stand up under the resonance. Praise God. Praise God. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared of God. They should feed her a thousand two hundred and three. That's the, where the woman is today. And we know what happened to the woman when she was described as Israel under under Moses and Joshua in the wilderness for 40 years. It's pathetic. Almost all of them failed. Almost all of them had to live out that 40 years and die and not be able to go on across the Jordan because they were not living, they were not living the spiritual life. They were just into the physical part of the book and not into the spirit part of the book. And the body without the spirit is dead. The, the Bible without the spirit is dead. The universe without the spirit is dead. The actions of the thunders of God without the spirit is dead. And God is moving by his spirit. And the Bible makes it very clear if we are going to know God, if we are going to understand God, the Bible is very, very, very clear. John 4, 24, uh, 4 says that God is a spirit. All right. Okay, so that's, that's enough. We've, we've made a point. We, we got that point there. Now, let's get into some action. Turn with me to the book of Ezekiel. The book of Ezekiel. And let's get into this thing about Lucifer being the son of Gabriel and the birth of Satan. And just understanding that in the meanwhile, 
There is action on the staircase. The devil's staircase has lots of action. You know, coming and going. Hither to and hither there. That's going on all the time. Those roving uh, demonic eyes are looking and searching for weaknesses and for failures. Just looking for the opportunities for people to, to have an advent in which they are in denial of their wonderful Holy Spirit experience with God. And then those demons can just come in and tear up the holy earth, the holy ground. You know, like that song that people would sing. This is holy ground. Satan wants to come. He wants to have those devils that are on the tower of that staircase looking and watching and saying, look over there. Don't put it off. Let's get some action on this. Those people have stepped off the holy ground. Get over there right now. Get the interference programs going. Get that, that continuous stroke going. Challenging. Putting down. Doing everything you can to make these people believe that God doesn't love them anymore, that God doesn't care anymore. Deceive them. Live out the name of your leader, Lucifer, whose very name as Satan means the deceiver. Those, those fallen angels of Lucifer, these are the, not the Ophanim, but these are the cherubim who were co-owned with Lucifer that also fell and they're the ones that are and there, there's legions and legions and legions of them and they're the ones that are you know really out there to do a job to make sure that Lucifer stays in his office and gains even higher heights but I'm going to tell you something get this straight Lucifer Satan God has 7,000 knees that have never bowed to Baal. Now that is a revelation. And that's just not talking about 7,000 individuals that happen to be prophets that never bowed to Baal in the time in which the prophet Elijah and Elisha lived. That is a much, much additional, deeper revelation seven thousand knees that have never bowed and and you know I, I don't think I have time today, but sometime we will get onto that message in the meanwhile, we have got everything that we need in the way of a force field of holy uh ghost uh, power of defiance by which we can take a hand of authority over these dark spirits that would like to destroy our loved ones and like to destroy our peace and steal from us every pos possible potential incentive that we have for living for the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to be winners. And the, if we keep preaching this word and ministering this word and people keep reading these these uh, blogs that I'm doing and listening to this broadcast that I'm that I'm ministering, I'm telling you, people are going to be changed. Changed from the creature that they were. The angels coming into the church and the angels ministering into the church and the church is scattered out there like the sheep being scattered over the hills and, and over the valley and over the mountains. But he's calling them. And, and there are those that are beginning to know the voice of the Master. 
And they're beginning to gather together in a spirit of understanding, in a spirit of discerning, in a spirit of recognition that God is moving by his spirit in the land today with the holy manifest word that is based on scripture, 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 scripture from Genesis to Revelation. Blessed be the name of the living God. Hallelujah. Okay, here we go. Ezekiel. Okay, let's let's read it. Let's see where we're at. And let's start with verse 12 of chapter 28. Son of man. Now, we know that in the Bible when it says man, that it also includes ladies. And and someone some lady might say, "Well, yeah, I don't like that. Why doesn't it include the ladies?" Well, we know that in the transliteration of the English that this is how they, they did it. And and it, it was understood that these sentences such as that also included the lady. But you should at least know that there's man and there's woman. And, and so you're a woman, woman, and, and so then you're included because you've got the name wo- man in your name woman. Now, we know that in the, Ma- in the Peace Manifest Bible, it's done differently. And we've gotten around this bias to women by, by, by changing the, the uh, grammar and, and adding new words and fusing that together in an incredible revelation called Language Light. And that arc is coming up the road. And I, I can hear the almost foot footbeats of, of, of the soldiers of God marching with the, the ark of that holy manifest covenant with that Melchizedek insight that is of such a driven force of realization that demons are howling just to think that it's coming. Praise the name of the Lord. Amen. Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. Why would I want to do that? Why wouldn't you want to do that? You would mainly want to do it because the Bible says to do it. Now, this king of Tyrus is no small thing. The word Tyrus means rock. And that is very important for understanding that when it's talking about the rock here, it's talking about Satan, Lucifer Satan, who's also called the rock. And there are scriptures that are very, 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 very important that verify all of that. And there are two rocks that are described. And in Deuteronomy 32.31, Deuteronomy 32.31, it says their rock is not like our rock. So the Bible is very specific that there are two rocks out there. And so we have to understand, just like there are two out there, morning stars. There's two morning stars. There's the morning star that was Lucifer. There's the morning star that's Jesus Christ. And there's two rocks. There's the rock of ages, Jesus Christ. And there's, there's the rock of Lucifer, king of defiance. So that's Bible. That's Bible, ladies and gentlemen. Deuteronomy 32.31. Deuteronomy 32.31. Come on. 
Put that on your, your, your toast and spread it like cheese or butter and eat it. And it'll taste delightful as it's going down. And as it gets into your stomach, your stomach will begin to growling because it'll realize there's a whole lot more that goes along with it. <laughs> and it's coming. It's coming up the road. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay, so now, here we go. We've got Tyrus, the king of Tyrus, which we now know is the king called Satan and Lucifer and the dragon. And there's no question about, in the Bible, about uh, Satan, you know, being called, uh, you know, a a king. It It is just absolutely, clearly, emphatically, uh, specifically in the Bible and uh, and in the ninth chapter of Revelations and the 11th verse, talking about the bottomless pit, it says that they had a king over them. They had a king, K-I-N-G, over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit. So we know that that is a proper uh, a definition and terminology and it's all Bible. We're not bringing out something here that's not Bible. We're bringing out what the Bible is saying, and we're 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 solving the codes. Uh, we're 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 breaking uh, the the middle wall of perdition down, and we're opening up the pearls, the pearls that are on each of the gates into the holy city. Blessed be the name of God. Wow. Okay. So here we are. Let's go on. Son of man, son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus. Upon this Lucifer, take up lamentation. What is lamentation? Well, usually lamentation, like you've got Jeremiah, the book of Jeremiah, and after that you've got lamentation in which there's all this grief and travail, you know, uh, over the suffering that has happened to the people. And the suffering has already happened. But in this sense, this is a lamentation prophecy. And so what it's basically saying is, get out there and prophesy. Sort of like on the order when Ezekiel was out and God took him by the hair of his head, brought him out into this great big dry valley and showed him all these bones, very, very dry. And it didn't seem like there was any possibility of any life, any potential for, for there to be any uh, relivability. And God says, okay, what are you going to do about it? And I'm sure, you know, Ezekiel says, well, I, I don't know, God. I says, yes, you do. What, what do you call yourself? Well, I'm, you mean prophet? Yes. You call yourself a prophet, right? Well, I do, yes. Well, then prophesy. But what do you mean, God? What do you mean prophesy? Don't you know what your name means? Well, sort of, sort of. What are you out here trying to lead the people of God for if you only sort of know what a prophet is? Well, I, no, I am sorry, God. I, I shouldn't have said that. Yes, I, I know what a prophet is. Well, then that's what I want you to do. I want you to prophesy to those bones. But what should I prophesy? Well, if those bones are going to live again, what needs to happen? Well, oh, I don't think that'd be possible. You don't believe that with God all things are possible? Well, no, yes, I believe with you they're all possible, God. But I mean me, Ezekiel. I, I, I just haven't got it. I mean, I'm not God. Oh, I totally understand that 
Ezekiel. But I'm telling you to do something. I'm telling you to prophesy. Now, what do you think that you should prophesy? Well, I don't totally know, but I guess you're saying it has something to do with causing these dry bones to live again. Now you're catching on, Ezekiel. Now you're catching on. Now, what would you prophesy? Well, the bones are going to need skin. The bones are going to need to be connected. The bones are going to need vital organs. Uh, And and as this body comes together, the, the body's going to need to be able to breathe. So he says, what do you have at your command? He says, well, I, I've, I've, got, uh, I've got the word. Yes, and, and what does the word include? You know, does it include the elements? Uh, well, uh, yes, I believe it does. You believe it does and you know it does? Yeah, yes, yes, that's to be the proper way to say it. Uh, I believe it does and I know it does. Well, what about the wind? Well, uh, yeah, I guess that would be called an element. He says, well, now, isn't wind the kind of thing that humans breathe? It's oxygen? Yes. Well, he said, you need to prophesy to the wind. And, 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 and just cause that, that as that wind comes over, there will be a quickening spirit, and these bones will begin to come together, and all those things will happen that need to happen to make those bones live again, and it will be a great army of people that will rise. They will rise. And so he began to prophesy. And like this word here is very similar to that. It's basically saying prophesy lamentations on this. And that's not a very good thing for for Satan. That's not to his health. You know, you know, it's prophesying that his army will be defeated. That's prophesying that every move that he makes to undermine the people of God will be defeated. That's prophesying that everything that he is saying and doing to deceive uh, the, the people as a deceptor will be defeated, and people will discover the truth, and they will know what he really is. That's what it's saying, and it's incredible. Wow. Are you hearing me? Are you listening to me? Are you getting this into you? You, want it, you know, this word has got to live in you. Okay, let's, let's hit on here. So, Take up a lamentation upon the king of, of Tyrus and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now someone said, Now that don't sound like lamentation. Well, he, it's lamentation, but you've got to know the whole story. He, he's, he's, he's drawing what you call a shame picture. He's drawing a shame picture. It's like saying to someone, say one of your children, You've had all this education. I've spent all this money on you. You've had these special teachers come in. You've had all these things to help you learn how to do this. And you've rebelled and not done your lessons and your work. You're a totally very intelligent person. You, you, you're very bright. You have talent. But now look what you've done. Look what you've done with your talent. Look what you've done with your wisdom. Now this is sort of the kind of prophecy of lamentation that's going on here. But at the same time, there's revelation coming out of this. Okay, let's read it some more. The king of Tyrus, Lucifer, and saying to him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Do you think that maybe Lucifer is just a nothing? Do you think that he's just a, a, a you know a, a piece of worm cloth? Well, you better get your you better get your act straight. You better you better straighten out your brain. You better get your mental uh, lights turned on. 
This force that we are dealing with, this person called Lucifer, he's at the top of the rung. And you will see, as we, as, as Lord willing, if we're able to get into the incredible amount of things I have to share with you today, you'll be absolutely mouth hanging open, ears straining to hear more. Let's get it down. Let us get it down. Who is this guy? He seals up the sum. It means that of the average angel out there, even including archangels, to none none of them can be left this saying because this particular person seals up the sun. That means he finishes it. That's how top of the pack he is. He finishes the seal. He finishes the sum. That puts his intelligence even above many of these other angels. That doesn't mean they can't can't defeat him, but that means they are really dealing with a force. He's no piece of paper. He's not only got that top capability to seal up the sum of wisdom, but he is called here perfect in beauty. How many people on this earth as human beings, ladies and men, would like to be, have that title to have, be perfect in beauty? How many people like to look good? Men like to look ha- handsome. Women like to look beautiful. They like to have a good-looking face, a good-looking body, good-looking nose, good-looking ears, good-looking lips, good-looking uh, neck and arms and legs. And every aspect of this particular entity. He was perfect. Do do you understand what that means? P-E-R-F-E-C-T, perfect in beauty. Tell me any other angel in the Bible that's got the title like that. Tell me any other entity in the Bible that's really got a title equal to all of the totality that's being said about this Lucifer, this king of Tyrus, the rock the other rock. I mean, he's out there and he is badgering a side-by-side contest rock to rock. He's a rock challenging a rock. He is no piece of paper. And so he's an angel of beauty. No wonder that even angels that didn't even belong to his his group of angels could connect with him, could relate to him, could be attracted to him. Because you must understand that that beauty must also have to do with his oratorial powers, his capability to say things so succinctly, so perfectly, that it just screwed into the very jewelry of a person's mind and the very temple of a person's heart. You can't defeat somebody if you don't have a knowledge about that somebody. 
if you're going to be in a, a wrestling match or in one of these uh, UFC contests, these people that go up against the contestant, they will go back and they will study videos of fights that those contestants have had, maybe go back for, for fight after fight after fight, watching their moves, see what their habit is. And, you know, like some of these fighters are absolutely top contestants. And they want to learn how that they might be able to defeat them and what their weak point might be. How many people are bothering to prophesy lamentations against Satan? How many people are understanding if you're going to defeat the forces of darkness, you're going to have to sort of do that song that Hank Williams was given, but that he never really used to deliver himself. I saw the light. I saw the light. He was coming into that city. He saw the light of that city. He had been fighting alcoholic problems. And he had supposed to put on a show. He was really fighting the effects of that alcohol in his body. But as he, they were driving along on that long, long road, suddenly just over the hill, he could see the lights of this city, and he was inspired to write that song. I saw the light. I saw the light. God wants you to be inspired. He wants you to be inspired to write a song, to live a life, to believe you can be superseded, believe that you can be above your problems and above, uh, above every uh, solid, single uh, temptation uh, that is being uh, mustered against you. God wants you to believe that and practice it. Because if you will do that, you can defeat even this masterful, talented contestant. And God will show you that there's some spot that that contestant is going to have, including Satan. Some, some Achilles, Achilles heel that is exposed. But most people don't know about it. But it can be revealed. God can reveal it to you. God can show you that Achilles heel. He can show you just what to do to save your life, to deliver your family, to block the forces dark, to tear down the walls of impetition. You've got to understand, this is a great wonder that appeared in heaven. This is no small thing. This isn't a game. It's not one of these video games. This is the real thing. Verse 13. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. The very most classy, exalted thing that God made on the earth for the first soul man and first soul woman. They could not keep out the king of Tyrus, the rock, Lucifer. They could not keep him out. In fact, he had already been working for many, 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 many generations of time on the earth, affecting plants, habitat, affecting the dinosaurs, insects, and affecting the four kinds of, of people, which are called rivers, that did not have souls. They were soulless people. 
and the Gaihans, which are called the serpent people. The very name Gaihan means belly. The Bible says, Thou shalt go on thy belly the rest of the days of thy life, as all worked into the understanding. Wow. He already had the Gaihan already there in the West Garden, blocking the East Garden, and ready to do something with the tree of good and evil knowledge. Well, you know, what did that tree of good and evil knowledge represent? Well, that tree of good and evil knowledge, you know, sad to say, but it represented Gabriel and, 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 and Lucifer. It was a tree. And when you go back into the Bible, you'll see that the tree has profound editing that is forensically available for anybody that would want to deep search it. And it has to do with genealogy, and it has to do with that which was past. And on the good side of that tree represented Gabriel. And on the bad side of that tree, the evil side of that tree, represented Lucifer. And sadly, it was all part of the same tree because it was a father-son. Someone says, is that the revelation? Well, it's a revelation. It's not the whole revelation. We're just beginning. Don't try to crack the vault when you don't even know the count, con, you know you don't even know the combination. That'll just make a fool out of you. You stand there clicking that thing around, around, and around, and nothing happens. Next thing you'll be saying, "Well, get dynamite," and you'll use the dynamite, and then you'll you'll blow the whole thing up. And you'll discover that what the real uh, treasure was that it was made out of this Christine uh, 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 glass that was all embedded in in this very fine, delicate, beautiful uh, uh, type of, of uh, you know of of jewelry type of cups and and and, and vessels. And when you blew it up, you, you smashed it to smithereens because you were so anxious to get into it. And there's lots of people trying to do the right thing the wrong way. And when you do the right thing the wrong way, you end up with the wrong results. And the wrong, wrong uh, thing happens that does not benefit you. Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering, the sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onks, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, and the gold, the workmanships of thy tabrets, and of the pipes was prepared in thee in the day thou wast created. Now, ladies and gentlemen, I have presented to you the thing I promised I would, because the word created can also stand for being made, can also stand for being born. This is about the very birth of Satan, who was then called Lucifer, because in the analogy of time, that which is now is from that which was. And that which was is part of that which is, and that which is is part of that which is to be. And God requires that which is past. And so when we put things in those perspectives, we begin to see a connection we don't get away from the, the line of descent and the line of ascent. It is forever boldly imprinted from one end of the universe to the other, from one end of the mind and to the other, from one end of the word of God and to the other, from one end of reality to non-reality, from one end of abstract to virtual reality. 
It is there. It can't be denied. Read Psalms 19, chapter 19, 1 through 6. So what's it saying? The workmanship of thy tablets and of thy pipes was prepared unto thee in the day thou wast born, in the day thou wast created. Here's the story going back in time, and this is one of the things that Ezekiel does. He's the person in the 16th chapter of the book of Ezekiel that actually tells about the birth of Adam. And now we have right here the birth of of Lucifer Satan. In the day thou wast created, in the day thou wast born. And someone says, my God, what was this thing? What kind of creature was he? What's well, got these pipes in him? And these tablets, what in the world? And, and what's it got to do with all these stones? All these different kinds of stones? What, what in the world is the meaning of that? And, and you know what? God is moving by his spirit. God is moving by his spirit to help people to understand these things because these things are so very, 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 very important. And God just wants his people to know because it is the kind of truth that is going to set the world that is bound free. Well, these precious stones, they, they, they go forward in time and they represent a time far after the birth, far after the birth of this person, when this person is going to be co-owned. And there's the sardius, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the onyx, the, the jasper, the sar sapphire, the emerald, the carbuncle, the, the gold. That's ten different stones. <coughs> and those ten stones are precious stones called coverings. So they represent, you know, variously, various important co-unings that have, been, that have happened. And, 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 and th there's a prediction here of those co-unings in which, which uh, you know, uh, Lucifer is told that, uh, uh, that, that he, he's going to have this incredible gift. This is going to happen to him. And so we see that in Ezekiel 28, and, and 16, in the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence. And, I, and, and, and thou hast sinned, therefore I will cast thee as a profane out of the mountain of God. And I will destroy thee, O covering cherub. He's a cherub, which is, which is singular for cherubim. He's a cherubim. And this is in the same scripture that's talking about, you know, this, this king... And and this this king of Tyrus, obviously, is the same person, because there is no break that shows it to not be. That is a cherubim, and it's not just any kind of a cherubim. He's a covering cherubim. What does that mean? It means that he was the one that was chosen to stand in during the creation, when a hundred forty-four thousand of the the Ophanim leadership had gone out into to creation, to spirit creation, and they left him 
as a covering angel in charge of the other angels to see to it that the processes with all these other angels that were left behind was, was in a continuum. And he was the covering angel. He was big time uh, selected person. No small minor thing. It's huge because when he took that job, the job that he was taking was the job of the morning star. So that name was then transferred to him at that time while he was there uh, in, that, in that job of a covering angel. He became the bright and morning star and took on the same name that Jesus Christ as Yaviel had as the bright and morning star. So now you suddenly had two. Now, of course, the plan would be that once he had finished his job as a covering angel and he left, that he would then relinquish that title. Of course, Lucifer refused to relinquish it because he felt that he not only earned it, but in the scriptures that it says here, he felt that he, he wanted to be more religious, more closer to God than all the other angels. So he, he wasn't wanting to become a devil. He wasn't wanting to become, become a Satan. He wasn't wanting to become uh, opposite of, of what is spiritual. He just saw that he had some superiority, which the Bible says that he did. He was the summation of all wisdom. He was at the top. He closed it out. He put the peak on it. And he felt, in an assessment of his incredible talent, perfection of beauty, perfection of wisdom, that he should be over all of the rest of the angels because he had some of these gifts that he felt put him ahead of all the other angels. And he was born with a certain lattice. And it goes on here and says, And I will destroy the old covering cherub from the midst of the stones of fire. The, the stones of fire, of course, are the the living entities that have co-owned with him. When I, you know Jesus talked about in the book of of um, John, he says that that he prayed that they that all his disciples and the people that followed him would become one with him, as he was one with his father. And we know that that one with his father was very deep because it says he came out of his father, and when he came out of his father, he became a super individual entity, and he came out to begin to preach this word. Well, now, when we begin to see this setting, and we begin to see that, um, that this setting is of the nature, that, 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 there are, that, that there are predicted in prophecy of these ten precious stones and their name, and every one of those stones represent different colors, every one of those stones re re uh, represent uh, uh, attributes of different dimensional uh, uh, contributing factors uh, of entity that is that it's going to, you know, become one with him. And, and, uh, and then the, the, the fact of the gold uh, represents, um, you know, uh, this, this thing of beauty and, and light. And, uh, and so when you put this all together, these nine status uh, orders, each order represents a thousand co-owned entities. Each order represents a thousand co-un entities, and and that isn't the the full story of um, of 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 his uh, you know whole thing about uh, this revelation. 
that uh, was being told him. But it's it's um, you know it's it's absolutely sensational and beautiful. Uh, you know it it it's exciting, and I just I just find it uh, you know something that a person would want to shout about. Okay, now let's go on. Okay, so now he says there's this there's this thing there's this this thing about these these tablets and and there's this thing about the, these these pipes. Well. When you look up this thing with with the type the pipes, you know the the word is bezel, and it actually means um, gems, and that's uh, number fifty three forty five in the Strong's Concordance, and also connected with fifty three forty six, and it represents these co co-unings. and. Then when we get into this thing of the tablets, uh, that that has a special, you know, you notice that it's plural. And that actually is about a special kind of double tambourine that is built like a circle, has a skin over it, and has all of these little double tambourines or little double plates that, you know, that jingle when you when you play on the drum part of the tamarine, but it's a double tamarine. So there's a double uh, contribution of these, of these uh, jingles, of these two little plates that jingle together. And, and this is all talking about the word actually meaning dell, uh, meaning hollow, valley, and it's also telling something about his lattice. It is saying that in addition, though, to all these incredible things that he has, there is still in him a vacant vacancy, a cavity. There's like compartments that even with all these things that happen because he is latticed in a very deep-pitched latillusion. And because of this, he's sort of like one of these kind of persons that no matter what he gets, it's never enough to satisfy him. He is totally a driven entity. And, and that makes him very powerful, very awesome, and very scary. And, and so it's, it's telling the story about this, you know. But the very fact that the Kounin here is broadcasted at, about his creation, about his birth, Prove something. Only archangels can be co-owned. The regular angels cannot co-own. So for it to show this co-owning, it shows that he has to be connected. For this to be a prophecy of what's going to happen, he has to be connected with the archangel. And it's very similar to when they talked about the uh, apostolic succession, that people within the group that had walked with Jesus, seen Jesus, they were considered those who were to be the successors. Well, there was an uh, archangel succession. And, and that's the connection of my father and my, my only begotten son. There's that succession. And it's, it's very well uh, orientated into the Bible. 
and um, and and Jesus made it very simple that there were rules regarding this. He said in Matthew twenty twenty three, he says, "I know you sons of Boendries, you want to sit, you know, on my right hand and left hand." But he says, "I do not have the power to give that to you. There's other rules. There's other conditions that that have to do with that." And that's also written in Luke twenty eight thirty three. So Matthew twenty twenty three and Luke twenty eight twenty three. So now we see by the very uh, instigation of this lattice, lattice revelation of this the tablets and, and the pipes, which actually mean the pipes tie in to this thing of the the bazel, the gems, but also the hollow, the valley, the cavity, the compartment, the low tone, the deep pitched all these kind of things, which that goes along, that deep pitch, that, that goes along with the 29th chapter of uh, Isaiah when I was doing this thing about the whisperer and the deep, low-pitched tone that was heard even in the, in the earth. And, and so, so, so these things all come together piece by piece and part by piece. And so this shows that he had a connection at birth and this is why, because he's a cherubim, that therefore he has to be the son of Gabriel, because Gabriel was an archangel, and he was co-owned, and only could you be co-owned if you were an archangel, and at birth he was destined for this, therefore he had to be the son of Gabriel in order to be destined with this, and that is where that comes from. And... We have the scripture here that when he was created, meaning when he was made, when he was birthed. So now we actually have in the Bible the story of the birth. And then we have the scripture at the end of the book of John that says, if all the things were written that should be written. Oh my God. Is that ever absolutely incredible or not? Wow. So now we know that Lucifer is a cherubim. We also know that the cherubims belong to one of the seven plural spirits of God. And these represent different universes that were in the past. And these plural spirits have overcome each universe, and they're represented as one. They're a plural one. And that's the seven spirits, our seven plural spirits. And we know that Jesus said that, um, that he saw Lucifer falling as lightning from heaven. And and that is no small small thing. That 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 that's a really, really big thing. And so we, we begin to see that Jesus is even pointing out, you know, he's saying, this thing with with this wonder in heaven is not minor. He said, I as the Lord your Savior, as Jesus Christ and as Yaviel, I saw how that happened, how that Lucifer fell from heaven. And he falls, and instead of crashing, he lands on his feet, and he's immediately ready to take charge of the Ophanims who have fallen into creation. And this Savior that's to come forth, he's right there, he's found the, the hiding place, he's found where the woman is, she's in the wilderness, but he's found her, because he's right there where she's getting ready to give birth, even though the earth has helped, even though there's been other kinds of help, he's broke through, he's found, and he's right there to devour. And the only safety thing to happen was that the spirit, no doubt angels were involved, had to take that baby as it was coming out of the birth cavity 
and had to, to take it uh, into the spirit. Now, someone says, how does that relate with the Mary thing? Well, it relates beautifully, but I don't have the time to get into it right this moment. That's another part of the story that can be told in a gorgeous, beautiful way. And so we're beginning to see that the Bible does talk about the birth of Satan. We're, we're beginning to see that there are many, many more things uh, in, in the revelation that's available in, in the Bible. And when we begin to understand about there is an ultimate God, and this ultimate God, this ultimate God does not, um, does not go out of the first domain. His Holy Ghost does. But his aura soul does not. Just like our aura soul, as, as Ovidim's, never left the first domain. Our spirits did, but not our aura soul. But we have the aura soul signal in us. But our aura soul is not out here in the first, out here, pardon me, in the universe. And, so, and you know, I, I had, I was mentioning some of these things the other night to someone and they were they were really questioning. Well, oh, you mean that God doesn't have a body? Well, the Bible says in John four twenty four, God is a spirit, and and the Bible says in Colossians one fifteen through sixteen that God is in, invisible, and uh, the Bible says and Jesus taught this that in the resurrection and and it's talking about when they ultimately are ending up in the first domain. They do not marry nor are given in marriage. So check some of these scriptures too between these last two things I said. 1 Timothy 1.17 and Hebrews 11.27. In this first domain it says they do not marry but additionally it says they don't, they don't have any children. Now check what Jesus said about that, as he verified that in Mark twelve twenty five, Luke twenty thirty five, and Matthew twenty two thirty, and then in First Corinthians fifteen fifty, it says, "Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven." And in Romans eight seven, it says that the carnal mind of the human being is enmity to God. So in addition to Romans 8, 7, check out Ephesians 2, 15 through 16, where it talks about the problem of flesh. And then the Bible is very clear that they that would worship God must worship in spirit and in truth because God is that invisible God. He's invisible. He's not physically to look upon like a bo physical body. He's invisible. That's what, he, that's what he's called, the invisible God. And we know there's been experiences of these things where, like many, many spirits, like devils are, you remember, devils are angels. They have just fallen to another subduction zone, but they still are angels. And we see in Mark 5, 9, and verse 15, that there were legions that possessed this man. And they were all together in the same space, in this same spot as Legion. And they called themselves the Legion. That's also in Luke 8.30 and Matthew 26.53. Wow! 
absolutely super incredible. Now, these things are written in the in, in the Word of God, and I don't have time to read all this, but I've got to read just a few things. In the Witness of the Stars that I introduced this book to you last week by E.W. Bollinger, wasn't originally written by him. I've got the original book also. But they do this thing on Drago, the old serpent, or the devil cast down from heaven. And they talk about some of the stars in the constellation of of uh, Drago and the names that those stars had. And it said the people that named that at the time could never have known these things. And they talk about th- these books of heaven. And, and it talks about the name that he had as deceiver and, and also as destroyer. And in the first book of the book of heaven, it talks about the dragon being cast down from heaven. The second book concludes uh, with Cetus, the sea monster, the, Levitica, uh, the Leviathan bound. And the third book concludes with Hydra, which is the serpent, the old serpent destroyed. And, and this is incredible these revelations, and, and we're only going to be able to touch on today. We're going to have to finish this next week. But even the the thing that was said about the serpent being subtle, what what in the constellation of the dragon, what used to be the, the polar star, is called Thurban, which means subtle. And, and it was 4,620 years ago, the polar star, instead of Polaris. And it's manifest, therefore, that the Greeks could not have invented that con- this constellation as, as it is confessed uh, to be the case by all, most all modern astronomers. Okay, there's a lot more to be said about that. But now I've just got to take a little bit of time to just go through some things here from the incredible Manifest Chronicles before G- uh, Genesis 7 Thunder Speak book. And we know that the Second thunder, which was the second universe, is called the Luma. And um, it was a universe of beauty. It makes sense for Lucifer to have been born there. And in this universe, the gods spoke by the rays. And they would say of one another, Behold, here comes the one that speaks in the blue light. Or there's the one that speaks the purple light. From this universe transcended the Bimbims, the noble ones who as dukes, were supreme lords of high sensitivity and articular culture. The Bimbims on a future mission became known as the Cherubim. Now we're going to skip over to um, page 156. And we've got these different entities. Gabriel, who later becomes Gabriel, Chaperone, Shro, and some other entities that will come in. And we start with uh, Gabriel, the second uh, paragraph down, 156. Dear nobles, why concern yourself with spatial separations when the essence of network reality, every action, although a veritable, is in effect connected with the whole of all actions? Now this is very deep. And if I was to explain every one of these in a sensible sense, we would not have possible time to do it. But just this very statement made by Gabriel, examples to people that there are things happening in your life and around about your life to others that you love. And some of these things seem to be separate, you know, separate um, actions. 
But Gabriel is explaining that though some of these things seem to be separate actions, um, a person should not be too overwhelmed with them because you have to always realize that you are involved in the veritables of, of the world, of the universe. And you are under uh, the, the law of uh, impetition. And only by the grace of God will you escape any of the negative actions that might damage you. And in the sense of this understanding, you are in fact connected with the whole of the actions, of all actions. Then Chaperone says, Now you have really opened up this deliberation, Gabriel. You say all actions are connected? Then does that mean good and evil are also connected? Please put your guiding light on that question. Gabriel, does a cast, does a dawn ever begin that is not twinged, not twingled? Of some light and darkness? Does the twilight ever end the time of shining that is not also twingled with some light and darkness? Does not pain birth peace and struggle birth beauty? As to the connection of good and evil, it is not evil born of the laws that differentiate. As to the connection of good and evil, it is not evil born of the laws that differentiate actions into categories? Shro. Are you glorifying evil? What about suffering? How can suffering be good by any consequences? And if suffering is evil, then how could suffering being evil have any connection with what is good? Chaperone, Shro, you just contradicted yourself. Earlier you said there are different molds, but all the same reality. Shro, alas, alas. I pray to God your ears would be opened, your comprehension expanded. Chaperone, I didn't make a new statement. I just merely asked some questions for conversation and information sake. Please allow Gabriel to answer my questions. Gabriel, perhaps with this issue, instead of using the term evil, we should use the term impedition. Ah, aha. You should know that word now. But to answer Shro's question, about understanding the way, the why of suffering, one must be able to distinguish the frameworks of bound states, the very functions whereby and wherein a universe emerges to higher intelligence of conscientiousness is matrixed from bound states. Chaperone, please don't leave us hanging. Describe bound states. Gabriel, the whole of the universe is a bound mass, is a bound state because it is a state that is uh, infinitely physical, and therefore not spiritually eternal. The physical state is a bound state because although changing forms, its tendency is to remain physical. Nevertheless, there are actions which produce energies that can escape the corporal hold of the universe and become spiritually freed through purgative experiences. Within the structures of the universal corporate body, there are many frameworks. These frameworks although bound in the corporal manifold sense of a universal body, take on a potential sense to be freed from the local or individual state. Now, you can't, if I may interrupt here, get your mind all set that you're going to ski on the slopes of, of the universe when you haven't even been able to cover the little lump that is covered with snow out in the backyard with a pair of skis before falling down on your face almost every time you've tried it. There's local things that have to do with local commitments uh, 
local family, local friends, local revelation, that you've got to get under your belt. You've got to get on top of it before you move out to the sky is the limit. Sky is not the limit. Wow. All right. Okay. Within the structures of the universal corporal body, there are many frameworks. These frameworks, although bound in the corporal manifold sense of a, spirit, a universal body, take on potential sense to be freed from the local or individual state. In one sense, such as taking on of personifications, the local scenario is a fantas uh, this is a fantas uh, magoric, um, which is a you know uh, a realism or a surrealism uh, to the point of being a kind of virtual reality, and uh, that is a combination of different words uh, and uh, magoric you know phantasmagoric uh, realism is quite uh, a word with a lot of meaning, but it, it gets into all kinds of almost ghostly things and uh, almost just this side of magical, uh, but also affecting people in these unusual kinds of ways uh, to the point of being a kind of virtual reality, it says. In another sense, it is relative to the very kind of virtual reality that God uses for entities to escape from the bound state of the corporal body by enhancing brain images. Uh, don't call yourself dumb. Don't call yourself stupid. You've got a brain, and it is capable of of growing in its knowledge. And that that is a promise of God. God can take you through the needle's eye. And don't think that he can't, because with God all things are possible. God can cause your knowledge and intelligence to abound. God can cause you that no matter what it is that you are listening to or, or reading, that you just feel is in, in, and that can't be penetrated by your mind, God can change that overnight. God can, God can veer your lattice. He can move you into a veritable. Subsequently, the, the particularity, having reached a differentiation while developing in the local part, nevertheless remains a part of the whole of the non-local corporate body. Consequently, in the uniqueness of its differentiation, there can be potential landings or windows by which the particularity may escape the bound state of both the local and local and the non-local. Uh, there are, and God revealed this, this to me many, many years ago, there are outlets, there are, are jets, and, and, and there are, uh, you know, uh, composite escapes. There, there are junctions uh, that a person sometimes can get out of the bound states uh, that they were born in. Uh, the, the, they have to learn how to, na uh, to, to navigate by the Spirit. When they begin to learn how to navigate by the Spirit, they can come to these junctures and they can be set free. Now, I don't even want to read any more than this uh, on this particular part. We'll come back to it when next week. But I want to, on page 159, I want to show something that happens. And it says, Shro. So then God, except for special dispensational acts, mostly allows us to grapple for our own survival, aids us if we ask, grants to us Am's grace and love to the extent we will receive it, guarantees us equal opportunity, and waits for us to come out of our cocoon. Now, while that discussion is going on, something happens called the blip force spoilers. Just at that moment, 
a courier brought an urgent message. An invasion by highly advanced aliens of our planetary system is imminent. All no nobles report immediately to their pre-emergency des designated stations. Reports were coming in. Three space outposts had ceased functions. Um, on received transcription, transcriptions and a flux of strange uh, syncretized uh, energy had been reported just prior to the shutdown of the three space outposts. Now thousands of space satellite relay sensors, one by one, were ceasing operation. The estimated time this point of interaction uh, uh, would reach the planet director was less than the magnitude of a thousand points of blue shifts. The nobles ascended, uh, assembled in the auditorium of divine uh, locution, uh, uh, locution. Each noble was seated on a seat that was fixed to a moving track viewer. Every track viewer had access buttons to the speaker's spectrum, broadcast system, and hologramic picture screen. All the nobles spoke. Each voice track was, report, was recorded. Now, we're going to skip over. The, we can't, we're going to come back to this. There's all these scientists that are going to start putting their, in, their, their, their ideas and their scientific uh, expertise to why this thing w with the blip force is happening. Uh, we will see how connected that can be, uh, you know, to um, <clears throat> all of these things. But, but at some point, as, uh, as we, we get uh, on up the road with a whole lot of re reading uh, that we will yet do next week, uh, something happens uh, on the passage through the needle's eye. Something happens very, very interesting. Um, uh, this person uh, on page 179 called Lufer steps forward. Then Lufer steps forward. Now, Lufer is the human being that later becomes Lucifer. And Gabriel is the human being that later becomes Gabriel. And Lufer says, My dear Gabriel, Surely it is I of whom you speak for exponent and expositor. We'll be reading what Gabriel said about that. But we see that until there is something of a very high uh, uh, proposition mentioned, this Lucifer stays out of all the mix. But when this almost incredible thing that anyone would wonder how there'd be anyone capable of even taking such a job, he steps in, and Gabriel says, I have no doubt your self-confidence spans the voids of space, but be sure it is not because of pride you proposition rather than cure. What stone heretofore unturned do you bear for this solution? Lufer, send me as a dematerialized but conscious spore of neither matter nor antimatter, so that I might test this blip-force kingdom. When I have them under my influence, I will pass back the information needed to destroy them. Gabriel, your fearlessness is a badge, but your proposition may be superficial because the technology, technology that we presently have for rendering such a feat is unproven. Also, your life could be put at a very great risk. And of course, Gabriel would be very aware of that, being this is his son. At the same time, your actions could expose the limits of our capabilities to the blip force. Lufer, and I'm going to end this. I speak of a conveyance, not a perfunctionatory hitch. Rather, I propose a penetration of our hirsute foe by the stealth of a virtual projection of my mind 
for observation in the neuron volume functionality of their synaptic functions. And we're going to complete this next week, Lord willing. It's about Lucifer, the planet that he was born on, that he lived with his father and eventually overcame and became part of the cherubim order, the second universe, the universe of beauty. It will be interesting. It will be fascinating. Ladies and gentlemen, there's a great move going on. This word is a living word. I want to pray for you now that our second body, our Heavenly Father, our Lord and precious Jesus Christ, our God, reach out into these people tonight that might be suffering, having pain in their body, whether it's, it's pain with teeth aching, or headaches, or asthma, or clogged heads, whether it's arthritic or other similar type of pains in their bodies and bones, whether it's problems with their heart, problems with other parts and organs of their body, reach out to them tonight. In the name of the Father and Son and the Holy Ghost, according to your mercy, not because it's anything we have deserved or earned, but because your mercy is beyond our understanding. Your love is greater than anything we could ever comprehend. Heal them tonight, oh God. Heal them right now. This energy is coming out to you right now in the name of Jesus. Coming out into your bodies. Coming out into your bodies. Coming out right now through this message. Coming into you. Healing you. Receive it in Jesus' name. We love you. God bless you. Be sure you get on our latest blog. Please make a comment. God bless you. Good night.